Welcome back to the Kingdom Builder Podcast. I'm Jason, one of your hosts, and I'm here with... Christine. And... Kimberly. Kimberly. Welcome, welcome. We're super excited to be back. And just right up front, I have some news. So, we are moving platforms. So, you guys may have found us at kingdombuilders.thesourcewichita.com. And that's where you've signed up to give to our tier system. And we've been so grateful for all of your support. We are moving platforms. And so, you need to do this as soon as you possibly can. Go to patreon.com slash kingdombuilders. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Kingdom Builders. And so we are switching up the tier system. We're going from, what, like six or eight tiers? A ridiculous amount. A ridiculous amount of tiers to how many? A lot. Three. Three tiers. Less. <laughs> A lot. A lot. <laughs> this less. is tiers, not the kind you cry, but. T-I-E-R-S. Like. <laughs> tiers. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be a much simpler platform for us and so some of the same perks we're going to be doing some video teachings we'll still be doing the podcast q a um so you guys will actually have access to a feed so think like facebook feed twitter feed instagram feed our patreon feed is going to have all sorts of fun things on it as we continue to create content for you just like facebook but only with three contributors Right. <laughs> that is absolutely absolutely right. So, make sure you do that. If you're listening to this and you are a current Kingdom Builder supporter, go to Patreon as soon as you can, sign up, and then we will um, cancel your giving through what you're giving through right now. It's probably PayPal, right? And so, we're going to be trying to communicate as much as we possibly can so that we can all transition smoothly. So as you sign up, uh, we'll be in contact and we'll make sure that everything goes well. How's that sound? Woohoo! Sounds oh, great. Here's some fun news. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So we actually will have our own Kingdom Builder space in our broadcast studio. So we'll have our own podcast table, we'll have our own sign, and we'll have our own space to record video. I'm sure people will be very excited about that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to figure out if you guys are excited. I'm excited. Girls, you ladies. You're excited. I'm super excited. Oh, I can tell. That you did all this work. More time on the camera. That's right. Yeah. That's not so exciting, this camera time, but, you know... <laughs> yeah, so we're doing some cool stuff with the tiers, the tier system, um, tier two and tier three. Like one of the things we're adding this time is free access to upcoming streamed conferences and media and past conference media. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun. We had the refresh conference back in October. Right in October. October, mm-hmm. beginning of October. And then there may be some 2020 stuff. Maybe there will be. Yeah. Well, and actually, we had a lot of people requesting the videos or audio from the Refresh Conference um, that we weren't able to give them because they hadn't signed up um, for the Refresh Conference. That was part of getting the ticket. But being a kingdom builder, you wouldn't have to participate live, and you could get all of the access to that and that stuff Kingdom from Builder October. Tier 2 and up. Yep. Pretty awesome. Yep, yep. So here we are, Q&A. <laughs> We're here for our latest Qua episode. There's no U in it. It's a Ka. 
Ka. Our Ka episode. So I'm never the one with the questions. Who's got the questions? Oh, Christine. come on. Why don't you have questions? I don't have hey, any. Hey, Jason, why don't you just ask us a question right now? Yes. On the fly. On the fly question. Prepare for awkward silence. What? What? It's not going to be awkward at all because you're going to fill it with a question. Is it? Jason, are you an extroverted thinker or an introverted? Introverted thinker. Oh, darn. That's not going to go well for us. <clears throat> I don't have a question right now, but maybe I'll come up with one. See? He has questions. Um, let's see. Oh, man. I don't know. What kingdom truth or principle or characteristic attribute of God would you draw from the story of Peter finding money in the mouth of a fish? I haven't read that one. <laughs> Christine. Yes, you have. Just kidding. Kim. <laughs> they, they ask if they pay the tax. Jesus tells Peter, go fish. And then the fish has money in its mouth. I would say um, my favorite attribute or char- kingdom characteristic about God concerning that story. Is right. that what you're saying? Yes. Um, We're not favorite, maybe but what I'm can like we draw? In, what can we learn? I was going to say, like, maybe I'm not seeing it, but all I, I see is, like, one thing. Okay. Maybe Yahweh will always provide for you. I don't know. That's like he's our provider. Yes. We listen to him and he will tell us what to do. That's also good. I think also not always drawing from what the world tells you to draw from. The right trading floor. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, Bleeb. I call my sister Bleeb. By the way, if you guys didn't know, Great. I'm This Christine. is going to be out in the Kimberly podcast universe is now. my sister. Oh, that's all I was going to say. Okay. Anyway, she's my sister. So I am I her sister. Call I'm, her weird names. I'm the common denominator. Jason is my husband. Christine is my sister. And I am me. That's true. She is her. <laughs> you are you. <coughs> you are you. Jason, what about you then? What is your kingdom characteristic of God Prin- and principle? That? I don't have one. That's why I had the question. <laughs> you had okay. the answer for it. That was you my cue, would... and you were the one giving the A's. Okay. We're pretty good at A's. You're the A dishers. <laughs> I was the Q disher. Yep. That was amazing. All right. Fantastic. You've got a list. Let's rock it. All right. Here we go. All right. What does an intimate relationship with God look like? I feel like this question has been asked several times. Apparently, everyone wants to know. I was going to say, I think we've skipped it intentionally every time. We have? I think so. Well, let's not skip it then. It's the one in which you are close to him. It's hard because it's personal. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's going to be different for everybody. And so it's hard to answer that to someone about. But if if each of us give a little bit about our intimate relationship with Yahweh or Yeshua, who are you talking about? When you say God, hmm. Anyway, if we do that, then maybe um, it would give a well-rounded answer. Maybe so. Kim, okay. you want to go first? Uh, sure. 
Okay. Uh, what does an intimate relationship look like with God? I feel like I'm at a spelling bee. I'm just going to repeat the question until I have an answer. <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence, right? Right. For me, an intimate relationship with God looks like open lines of communication. I talk to, well, all parts of, you know, like Holy Spirit, Yeshua, and Yahweh at different times throughout the day. I rely on them for different things. Um, I also ask them about different things just throughout the day or through the week or whatever, whenever something is coming up. it's It looks like me continually um, submitting myself to him and his authority, really. Um, I found myself recently, and this only, I, I say recently, probably in the last year or so, I find myself identifying more and more as the bride of Christ and living in that role with him. And so it's my relationship has just kind of shifted in that way. But see, this is why it's hard for me to answer is because it's, it's like continually changing. I'll say that my intimate relationship is continually changing, but it's because I'm continually with him and we're continually growing together. And so I don't think I have days that are the same as other days. But that's that's how it is with any relationship I'm in, you know, even if it's one that's not as familiar as he is with me. So that's kind of what mine is. I will tell you, I probably spend more time with Yeshua than I do with Holy Spirit or with the Father. I do spend time with the other two, um, but primarily... I am walking with and learning from Jesus. And only recently have I started calling him Yeshua. As because Chris Prot, she preached. <laughs> you know how you, you, if you teach, you taught. If you preach, you prot. Yeah, <laughs> I like the new language. <laughs> Christine was preaching and she had mentioned only calling Jesus Yeshua. And so I pressed in about that, actually not feeling like I was under the law at all. Like there was no condemnation in that. That wasn't like, oh, this is my relationship. You should have it too. But I just went to him and I said, hey, what do you want me to call you? And he goes, you call me Yeshua. You know me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Funny. He goes, you can refer to me as Jesus, but you call me Yeshua. So if that makes sense, hmm. like Jason, if I would call you honey face to face, but I won't refer to you as honey to Christine. Would be Let's just be real. You never call me honey. I said it's like if I did that. <laughs> right. But it, that's that's kind of what he said. And so I don't know, just the closer we get, the more intimacy there is and... um the more he opens up and teaches me and shows me and leads me into. And I don't know. I guess that's it. I feel like it's real vague, but it's a huge question. <laughs> True. How about you, Jason? So I feel like I'm going to answer more towards 
a I'm going to choose a a facet of that question to address. Um, so I wonder. Well, I want to make sure it's not coming from a place of like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Because there are a lot of people who are like that, right? Like, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And there's a lot of people who are hungry for the Lord. And so then they look to people who they think have a close relationship with God. And then they either try and mimic or they say, hey, teach me or show me or just tell me what to do. Right. So like, <coughs> excuse me, when I was in college, um, I went to this church and I remember calling this guy David one time on the phone and I was in a really vulnerable state, I suppose. And I was just kind of sick of life and the stupid things I've been doing. So I called him and I was like, like crying to him. And I'm just like, man, like I, you know, I, I was backsliding, you know, all that jargon. And so basically I was asking him if he could mentor me, like disciple me. And in my mind, I thought like, honestly, I thought he would give me assignments like, you know, Hey, read this chapter and like write a page. And like, I was coming at it from a total like student. All I knew was like high school and college, you know, like teach me. So I probably need to read the Bible. I probably need to write some papers. Like just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And like, you know, if I need to read this book over the weekend, I'll do it. And then I'll call you Monday and we'll talk about it. Like, that's what I thought discipleship mentorship was. And so I wanted to be close to the Lord and I was looking for somebody to give me a list of things to do that was going to hopefully get me there. And so when asking this question of what does intimacy look like, uh, I hope it's not coming from a place of like, you know, well, it, how how much do you pray on a daily basis? And how much do you read your Bible on a daily basis? And what are those, what are those disciplines look like? I'm not one to have any kind of solid discipline when it comes to, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. every single morning, and I'm going to read one chapter, and then I'm going to meditate for five minutes. And, then I'm, you know, that's that's not my life. My life is, you know, Kim, she's my wife, and so if I need to talk to her, I talk to her. If I need to get a hold of her, I need to get a hold of her. When I'm with her, I'm with her. I'm not always with her. Things are going on, and, you know, I might have a meeting or she might have a meeting or whatever, but when we come together, there's the closeness, and it, it comes from the relationship that we've built over time. And so my intimacy with God now is a result of the time that I've spent with him over time. And so there was one point where I wasn't so, I didn't feel so close to him, but just through living life and being in relationship, like I can now say, yeah, I feel close to the Lord and I've learned over time about him and how much he loves me and those kinds of things. And so intimacy for me now is just any moment that I choose to press in and get near you know, scripture says it he'll draw near to those who draw near to him. And so that's that place of intimacy for me. And I don't have a set time. There's no schedule. It's when when I give time and attention, or if I need him, or I'm struggling with something, or whatever it is. I just want to talk to him. Yeah, God. And then I'm there. So I don't know. That's that's my practice, I suppose. I don't have alarms going off. Nobody's expecting anything of me to like you know, it's just, it's me and him and it's whenever, all the time. And it has been since the moment I gave my life to him. Cool. Well, you know, this question, what does intimacy with God look like? Well, for me, and I think I'm just, this is a theory, <clears throat> but I, I think probably it varies for each person because of um, our unique identity. 
And I know for me, um, well, okay, everybody in this all, every single human being desires intimacy. It's like one of the core desires of all humanity. And most of the time we seek it from people. Um, sometimes other things like animals or something, but generally it's um, trying to seek intimacy with people. And like for me, um, I have certain things that are really important to me in intimacy. And it's something that um, it's kind of how I'm wired. And one of them is quality time. That's probably my main one. Me too. I also have always really loved physical touch. And so, and Kim's like, I'm not talking. <laughs> anyway, um, these two things are big for me. And for a long time, I didn't know how to get my intimacy needs fulfilled by the Lord. But it's actually quite simple for me now because... I seek these things from the Lord instead of other people. So, for instance, quality time. Instead of always trying to be with um, my husband or always trying to be with my sister or my friends or whatever, even though I enjoy that, um, my needs for quality time need to be fulfilled by the Lord. And so for me, it's been really important to... Um, spend a lot of quality time. And when I say quality time, for me, it's usually, I know this is going to sound strange, but I'm like cuddling with either the Father or Yeshua, or um, I feel Holy Spirit like that. I feel Him in my body, on my body, all of that. And so for me, I usually just spend quality time just being with Him. Um, and sometimes I'm simply, you know, laying with them or sitting next to them or um, just watching them. But it, for me, that's the biggest deal for intimacy. So I feel like all of my intimacy needs in the earth are fulfilled by the Father or by Yeshua um, or Holy Spirit instead of by other people. And I think that that's truly where intimacy needs the goal is to have God fulfill your needs instead of people. Mm -hmm. And it will look different for every person. You know, I imagine that those who are big gift givers, um, that this might be something that you feel a lot of good intimacy through, you know, giving your offerings to the Lord or receiving gifts from Yeshua and things like that, that could be really special for a gift giver, I would think. You know, everybody has different things that that they do or they feel a need for intimacy in that way. And so um, anyway, that's just my theory about intimacy. But for me, that's what it looks like. I just spend time with them. I am not, it's funny because um, with my husband, um, I have learned to really use words of affirmation because he's a big words of affirmation person, but naturally I'm not really wired like that. And so with the Lord, I don't talk very much. I mean, at all, actually, I really pretty much, okay, not never, but it's, it's a rarity that I'm talking. I'm 
either listening or just being. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not doing a lot of, and this is how my day is, and this is what I really want. I don't really do that. And so um, a lot of people do that stuff, but I just don't. And But I also don't do it with my husband either. You know, I don't sit down and list off how my entire day went. Um, that's not how I am. So anyway, intimacy for me with the Lord kind of is more based on my personality, I think. Good. Yeah. So yeah. there's no one way that it looks. Definitely not. I would say definitely, definitely not. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. Next question. Do I have a destiny? And how do I know what my destiny is? Well, you wouldn't ask the second question if you didn't have a destiny, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think um, the Lord said that he already has planned out before the foundations of the earth what our destiny is. He even, I mean, he's talking to Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah about how he knows the plans he has for him plans to prosper him, not to harm him, to give him hope in a future. I believe that that verse is for all of us, and it's not just for him. And I think that uh, most everyone knows they have a destiny of some sort. They just haven't figured out what it is. Yes, I would agree. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, how do we know what it is? Seek the Lord. I mean, that's what I was gonna say. And if you don't know how to seek the Lord, I mean, really, practice makes perfect, is how I'd say. Mm -hmm. I don't know if perfect is ever accomplished, but you know, um, the more you practice hearing from the Lord, the easier it becomes. I used to, back a long time ago, I um, discipled a lot of youth, um, other people too like my sister, when uh, I remember Kim was, I think, in Hawaii and going, I don't know what to do. Should mm-hmm. I come home this summer or not? And I said, and I said, well, why don't you ask God? She's like, I don't know how. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, well, the easiest thing for me to do, I used to practice hearing from God through Scripture. So that was the easiest way for me to practice hearing from him. And so I would just flip randomly in my Bible and read and ask God to speak to me. And I would say, could you please speak to me? And he would, if I didn't hear anything, I'd flip again, ask him to speak to me again. And I would do this usually by the third time he's given me a clear word in my heart, in my spirit Mm -hmm. about something. Even if it's something like, should I go somewhere? Should I do this? Um, he always will speak to you. And he can do this in other ways besides just scripture. He can do it through art. He can do it through nature. He can do it through people. He can do it through signs and wonders, you know. Um, but it's important, I think, to seek your destiny, to ask him. Um, and really not be too impatient because oh, he will only true. reveal to you what you're ready for. Right. And so if you have some more maturing to do, then he'll wait and he will reveal it to you when you're ready for it. And, you know, you might be ready for a small part of it and not ready for a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Or you might be ready for a lot and you just haven't asked. I would just be okay with whatever he says. Yep. First hand experience here. 
he only <laughs> gives so? me little bits and pieces. And even in the beginning, he didn't even, he barely gave me that. You know what I mean? But it actually kind of goes back to the last question about intimacy. Because the more intimate you are with him, the more he'll entrust to you. Um, and so I think that in and of itself is part of all of our destinies, is to grow closer to the Lord so that we will know him more fully and know more fully what we were made for. Mm-hmm. I have Bible answers. <laughs> okay. So I agree 100% with everything you guys said. I think that's the, <clears throat> that's kind of the, I'm trying to come up with some sort of analogy. So it, there are two scriptures that I think kind of give like the bird's eye view of destiny. And then I think what you're talking about is like the nitty gritty of the daily, like how do we actually figure, you know, what does that look like? So I think the gen, the the general answer, I suppose, Romans eight twenty nine. For those he foreknew, uh, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So, your destiny, according to Scripture, is that you are to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's part one. The other part is exactly what you quoted earlier, um, Ephesians two ten. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance or um, God prepared for us long ago or before the foundations of the earth. So we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ and we are predestined to walk in good works or to do these, um, to do the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do in Christ. So your destiny is that you're conforming to the image of the Son and your destiny is that, as that is happening, you are walking out the good works that God prepared for you to do. What does that look like on a daily basis? When, where, how, who, all of those questions, I think, come from that relationship where you're saying, okay, God, what? Right? So, if I'm going to be the image of Christ, um, I'm going to be that here in my family. But if the Lord's leading me to Israel, well, you're going to go do that. There, There's good works that he has for you to do in Israel, but you have to be intimate with him and listen and be led in order to know that that's the place that you have to go. So right. the details are worked out in that relationship, but just overarching predestiny, image of the likeness of Christ and good works in Christ. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that can that can help you then ask questions like, how are you conforming into me into the image of your son in my marriage, in my home, in my workplace, in whatever? Um, what are the good works you want me to do? Where do you want me to do them? Who should I be doing them to or for? And then that's when you get into those details. They can be a guide, I think. Yeah. Maybe a good place to start. Hmm. I think also, um, you know, switching a bit to Heavenly Realms things, we all do have a destiny scroll um, or a book of destiny in the heavens that we can seek. And this is something that we agreed to before the foundations of the earth. So before we ever came, we agreed to these things. Um, and it's funny to think that our spirit would know before our soul would know, but that's kind of we're on this discovery of 
what we already have known as we are right. in the Father. Mm-hmm. And so if we will go and seek, we can receive these things. Um, sometimes we'll be shown different areas of influence that we have, um, things that we're given responsibility for. And then just like what Jason was saying about, you know, um, being conformed into the image of Christ and who is this to, what, what does this look like? He'll show us what we're, he's giving us responsibility for with our authority that we have in him. Um, but also we might receive different mandates and things on scrolls or even just from the Lord. A mandate is the same as, I would say it's kind of the same as a calling or a leading, except for it's more of an direct order <laughs> kind of marching orders <laughs> yeah i mean an order sounds kind of dictator like but i don't know a mandate is just a hey you need to do this and so i think that those are important for me to mm-hmm. seek daily and that's part of my scroll even though i don't understand that maybe um at the time anything he tells me to do means that he's wanted me to do that and so we can know that if we're just following the day-to-day then we will be fulfilling our destiny scroll and so yeah I don't know that just there are lots of ways for me to receive mandates from the Lord and most of it is just paying attention you know what are you saying to me Mm -hmm. I had someone today say well that's easy for you because you hear the audible voice of God and I'm like, actually, I don't. I don't know where you got that. But that's not how I communicate with the Lord. Um, for me, I get like words of knowledge. Um, so they just kind of pop into my head, if you know what I mean. I get a knowing about something. Or I have confirmations happen even through, you know, the frequencies of my body, which sounds strange, but that's how Holy Spirit communicates with me. And so I, I get certain things like that, that I know his voice because I've, I've been paying attention for so long, mm-hmm. even though I'm not hearing it through my ears, which some people do, but I don't. I don't either. I have, but it's not common. Yeah. I would say the same thing. I think I have maybe once ever, and it wasn't even profound. It was like my name or something silly. Maybe that so. is profound. Okay, it could be profound, but most people would not say so, I would think. I would be honored to have the Father say my name. Oh, really? I would. Hmm. I don't remember feeling honored. More like, what? (laughs) 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 That's kind of how I am. I should have been honored. I was more like, what the heck? I don't know what I did. I'm like a kid. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Jason, anything? Mm-mm. Okay. All right, let's go on. What are the seven spirits of God? I will Excuse name me. some of them. The spirit. We should have a quiz. No. Quiz time. No, Kim. no, no. Yes. Spirit of wisdom. Uh-huh. Spirit of knowledge. Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Uh, spirit of might. Mm-hmm. Spirit of... Understanding. Understanding. Uh, did you say the spirit of the Lord? The spirit of the Lord. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one more. Uh, I always wisdom. say them kind of. Dumb. I said wisdom. You said oh. 
wisdom, understanding, knowledge, might, counsel. You forgot counsel. counsel. Right. So the scripture, Isaiah 11, 2 through 3. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That's the scripture reference. I thought it was in Revelation too. It is. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of scriptures for it. I think we have a graphic for this. No. We don't? No, we need one. I think Papa? we will make a graphic for Where this. my dad? Okay, Revelation 1, 4, Revelation 3, 1, Revelation 4, 5, Revelation 5, 6. Well, this is getting very strange. Isaiah 11, <laughs> 2 through 3 is what you said, right? Mm-hmm. And then Romans 12, 6 through 8. So some people hmm. um, also attribute some of the grace gifts to the seven spirits of God oh. that are before the throne that you find in Revelation. And so that's where the Romans 12 comes in. And so... Um, These are generally, like if you remember, the seven spirits of God are before the throne and they are like a rainbow, okay? And so some say, you know, if you see red when you're engaging with the Lord, you're seeing the spirit of the Lord. Or perhaps you are seeing something about prophet. And so that's, those are together like prophet spirit of the lord and red servant and orange and spirit of wisdom teacher yellow spirit of understanding exhorter green spirit of counsel giver blue spirit of might ruler indigo spirit of knowledge mercy violet spirit of the fear of the lord so if you want the scriptures you can do that yeah i mean the seven spirits they are not God, but they are attributes of God. Um, and so because he is spirit, everything manifests as spirit. And so um, you can interact with the seven spirits of God because they come and they teach us and they guide us. That's what they're there for. And so the spirit of knowledge, spirit of fear of the Lord, you know, any of these things will come and knock us off our feet and change us, just like any interaction with the Lord would be. Right. So let me just point something out real quick. Because there might be some people who are saying something about, or just thinking like, well, I don't know about interacting with these seven spirits. Like, whoa, hold on, what are you talking about? So John in Revelation 1-4, it says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia... Grace to you and peace from him. So, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us. So, John's writing a letter and he's saying, hey, grace and peace to you from... God, who wasn't who from him who wasn't is is to come. Hey, grace and peace to you from the spirit of the seven spirits who are before his throne. And grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. So he's saying, My hope for you is that you would have grace and peace from the Father. You would have grace and peace from the seven spirits that are there with him. And that you would have grace and peace from Christ that 
grace and peace would come from all of those. And so are you going to be like, no, no, I don't want that from the seven spirits because I don't know what they are. Well, and when he's greeting from that place, that means he is greeting from interaction with the Father. That's what he's doing. He's he's imparting grace and peace from the Father, from interaction with the Father to them. And it's because of his revelation that he's had. And so he's having, obviously, he's having interaction with the seven spirits or he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't say grace and peace from, from them, them. Because he wouldn't be allowed to impart anything he hasn't received. And so... You only can, imp- I mean, I can't impart peace and wisdom to someone that I don't have. It doesn't work that way. So if he's doing that from them, then he's interacted with them and had that imparted to him. Yeah, it's just really interesting. He's yeah. saying, I want you to have something from them. It's cool. Right? Do you have one to read? I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I never thought about interacting with the seven spirits of God for all my life. I remember reading the seven spirits and going, wait, I thought there was three in one. Now that I'm reading seven spirits, what does this mean? And I remember just being confused. And um, it's only been since I started engaging in heaven that I've understood that I've actually been interacting with them for a long time. I would see these different colored orbs kind of come and I always thought it was just an angel and sometimes they are angels but um I didn't realize I'm actually interacting with them not on purpose but they're coming to me and they're around me all the time I just need to recognize this is who they are so if you see in the spirit you might see stuff like that and I don't know I have seen in the spirit realm of the earth for as long as I can remember and so I don't for me, that was normal to see, and then I, I would question, well, maybe I'm just, maybe there's some sort of prism around here, and, you know, I don't know. The light's got to be reflecting off of something that's clear that's projecting this onto the wall. I'm not quite sure what the angle is, but if it's coming from this direction, then it should be right over there. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, those are the seven spirits, and um, you can interact with them, and when you do, it can be really powerful. And so even in Revelation 4, 5, it says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Hmm. And did you know the menorah? Um, Not the Hanukkah menorah, but the, what I would call regular menorah. That (laughs) (laughs) Menorah light? Well, okay, so... Jewish people, when they celebrate anything like Sabbath or any other feast or whatever, they use a seven, um, what is that called? Armed? I don't know. No, whatever. Anyway, seven. Menor- oh, pointed. I know what you're talking Yeah. How come I can't even think? I don't know. Anyway, it has seven little candle holders on it, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, it has seven of these, but then. At the time of Hanukkah, they put two more on. So there's a nine-pointed one that is only for Hanukkah because of the story. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, on the seven, I didn't realize this for a long time, but they are celebrating the seven spirits of God with the... That, those seven flames that are before the throne, that's what that represents. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Get you some of that. So... And this is Jewish people. They didn't even have the book of Revelation 
Right. Um, but they already had this revelation from the Lord because of Isaiah. And here's Good an interesting Isaiah. thing. Let me look this up real quick just so I have the proper context. Uh, Hebrews 8.5 says, the play, uh, They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And so within the temple was the menorah right. that had seven flames. Right. And so that was the shadow of exactly what was happening right. in heaven, that there mm-hmm. were the seven flames, the spirits before the throne. That's right. It's really interesting, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. An image of heaven in the temple. Oh, it's so, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when you engage in heaven, it's so, like being in the temple. Right. So so here's something we just need to, Bigger. like, yeah, just need to, like, hammer down. Okay. So Jesus talked about your will on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen that the temple was a shadow of something that actually existed in heaven. Mm-hmm. And then God told him, build it, build it this way precisely so that people can actually see what's happening. Like I'm trying to show you physically exactly what's happening in the spiritual. And so anyways, think about that, that there, there's actually things in heaven that exist. I mean, you've, you've seen them. I'm I'm not saying anything new. I'm speaking to the skeptic or, or somebody who hasn't ever really considered that there are actual things in heaven and they're there. Do people not think that, there's things in I heaven. think people think there are things in heaven, but a lot of times, like when you hear about heaven, you're like, oh, there's there's um, streets of gold. And, you know, I, I mean, seriously, that's Everyone what a lot of people think about. Pearly gates, thinks you like, know? All you do is worship day and night. And so I don't know how many times I've heard this. I've heard this too. I don't want to go there. How boring is that? You just worship day and night for all of eternity. I've heard a lot of people say that. And, after experiencing heaven, it's like, oh my goodness, you people are missing out. <laughs> this is, there's way more there than there is here. I mean, here in the earth. It's so crazy. There, It's way exciting. It's adventurous. Yeah. Even. And if you want to trip out on Chris saying, oh, I experienced heaven. I mean, what did Ezekiel and Jeremiah, well, maybe not Jeremiah, uh, John, Isaiah. Oh, they saw heaven. Moses. They saw it. Yeah. Lots. Mm-hmm. Anyways, just saying. Anyway, let's go to the next question, shall we? I'm not cutting this out. Y'all need to say something. All right. Chris is going to ask the next question. It's actually what you were just talking about really leads into this. It does? It does. Because you were, you, ask the next question? you were talking about. Yeah, just say it into the mic. Right. You were saying that there is so much more in heaven than there is even here. And we don't even realize until we go there. We had a brief lapse in recording, but it does pick up after a couple of moments. So sorry about the missing content. Here's the rest of the conversation. Thanks. Humans think they have imagined up or they have um, they have figured out or come up with creativity. Creatively? There. Creatively. 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 <laughs> Not a word. Creatively. 
that uh, actually exist, and this is something that the Lord has given them, or they have seen beforehand or something, and it's something that they have been able to see. So anyway, I think that so much is real that we think is pretend, Mm -hmm. and you see it with all sorts of things, and then once we actually experience it in the heavenlies, we're shocked that it's real, even though where else do our creative ideas come from where does our imagination even stem from right you know of course i know it's a little mind-blowing to find some of these things out mm-hmm. honestly yeah because i think we all stopped believing in unicorns when we were like six pretty much right yep and then now all of a sudden i'm 36 and they're real and i'm like yeah they're real <laughs> ask me on a podcast i'll tell you publicly that's <laughs> odd and awkward yes <laughs> That's kind of funny. It is funny. You got another one? Uh, sure. <clears throat> I can't believe you didn't weigh in on the unicorns, on the unicorn. Jason. I don't have anything to say. To what? I, he he buys I, he buys the unicorns for our daughter. Yeah. He doesn't have anything to say because he thinks we're lunatics. Maybe. This is interesting sounding right now. Um. Take them all. Never mind. So let's see. How about this? Will there be a rapture? Hey, Jason. I mean, based on, first of all, there's no word rapture in the scripture, but it's based on the idea that we'll be caught up with him. And so rapture in the context that you've probably heard it, probably not, but scripture does say that, yeah, we'll be caught up in the, those who remain will be caught up, like in the twinkling of an eye, like a really fast situation. We'll, we will meet the Lord in the clouds. Is that what it says? Mm, it says something like that. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, yes, there is an instance where something rapture-like, based on the definition you've been given, will happen. But it's probably not going to happen in the way that you've heard it explained. Should I talk about my personal experience with this? Yes. <laughs> Obviously, you should talk about your personal experience with this. It's hard for me to do that sometimes. Um, I guess I'll say this, that um, the Lord has taken me some places where um, I've seen this start to happen in the earth now. And it's nothing like I expected um, first of all, I never really knew if that would happen to begin with, if a rapture was, I suppose, real. Um, but if it was, I thought it would be like all of the movies make it out to be or something to where everyone leaves at the same time and it's all their clothes are left behind and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just how all of the church portrays it. And... What I've seen is that it does not all happen at one time and that this has started to to happen to those who have been dead already. So these people who are dead are being basically resurrected to quickly ascend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's really awesome and wild, so but it's is- different than I ever expected and it's happening already all over the earth. Do you feel like that's a different instance than what Paul's talking about with the twinkling of an eye, because he says, 
Where is that? Uh, he says uh, it's First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Listen, I tell you a mystery: we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For I'll the perishable you. must be clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Well, here's what I think. I think that what he was talking about there and what we should all expect to be true, even though we haven't, is that this trumpet is going to happen in the heavenly realms like it always does. Mm -hmm. Okay, in the heavenly realms, this happens all the time where the trumpets blow, right? Where's the last trumpet blow is going to be a time except for heaven is outside of our earthly time. And so it doesn't work the same way. Um, everything that happens in the heavenly realms, it happens very, hmm, well, it's not on our timeline. So it can happen at one time and, and experience different things at different times on the timeline. It's like that with everything that happens in heaven. And so that's why, like, I could go and meet you, Kim, in heaven, except for we're doing it at two different times, two different days, and I'll meet you at the, the same, same time, time there. Yeah. So hmm. anyway, that this is what I believe that that is what it is, is that this is happening, but it's not happening in the way that we expect it because we've all been thinking with such an earthly mindset. So not um, based on our timeline. Yeah. So I always thought it would be all at once and that it would, I don't know, that's just right. so should, normal to so me. So from that question, then should people be waiting for a moment when like the end comes and Christ returns and people are caught up like the thing that we've been taught for however long what people are learning and why and are we waiting for that I don't know it's something that people are looking forward to I suppose right some are looking forward to it so some is, are dreading it it is very strange I've come across a lot of people on both sides hmm. and I think it's it's like everything else you read in scripture. You can take note of it and you can know that this is something that exists that is mm -hmm, real mm -hmm. without freaking out about it in right. any way. And so if you're waiting around for it, you're going to miss your destiny. You know, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like, oh man, I want to do all these things that he has for me. You know, like I'm, I'm ready to get on that. I'm not even thinking about the rapture, but that's just me. Well, I mean, I, don't I think, think about it, but only because of what he has shown me and had me partner with him in. And so I think that that's the important thing is if you know something and say, for instance, the rapture is really on your heart for some reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is for some people. Right. Maybe that's on their scroll, like something that they need to Press really ask him, what is this yeah. about? Why is this so important to me? Or perhaps it's the opposite way. And maybe it's the enemy trying to keep you off of what your destiny really is. And so whatever it is, just seek him about it. That's say, the most important the key part. Is seek the Lord. Right. Right. He'll right. show you mm -hmm. all the hidden things. Right. And so just if you seek his heart, that's where you'll find it, you know, is yeah. right in the center of his will in his heart. And so like for me, I wasn't seeking anything about the rapture when mm -hmm. he's shown me these things. I can't say I know all of the scriptures that pertain to it. Right. I don't even truthfully care. I just care about what he shows me. Right. And so if he shows me something that is 
perhaps even outside of what Scripture talks about, I'm going to understand that he's continuing to give revelation, Mm -hmm. and that revelation didn't end at John. Right. John wasn't the only person who ever had revelation. Mm -hmm. And so let's just all come to the same point of let's go forward with revelation that he gives you. And sure, you can look through Scripture and see if it lines up, but it really... I, this is going to sound like heresy to everyone, but I believe you should believe God over anything else. Believe him in your relationship with him. He will refine you. If it's not right, he'll put you back on track. Right. right. And so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with following him and doing what he says. And so if you are concerned about rapture, just go, okay, God, what do I do now? Right. You know, what should I right. do? Should I be prepping for this? Or should I be <laughs> just moving forward in my daily life and following what you say for me to do every step? Right. Mm-hmm. So so here, let me just give a quick distinction for those who are wanting some sort of scriptural basis or whatever. So 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will raise first. What Paul is talking about mentions nothing about Jesus coming down. He's talking about resurrection and talking about not everyone will sleep. But for some, in that instant, they'll be caught up. And so, I think what I've done in the past is taken all of that resurrection, rapture talk, and rolled it into like one moment in time. I think right. that's what we've all done. And I think that's what right, what a lot of people have done. But when you really read the scripture, it doesn't um, necessarily look like they're speaking of the same instance. So just a quick side note there. Interesting. Yeah, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. We've got time for one more. One more. All right. Short one. Short one. How do I say anything that's short? Okay, this could be easy, I think, hopefully. (laughs) What is the difference between mystics and New Agers? Well. Well. The villain Nueva is not a well. I do have a well. Well, that's nice. Well. So what is it? It's on my mountain and it's Oh, Kimberly. (laughs) Answer the question. It's supposed to be fast, right? Oh, what is I the do difference think, between mystics I and think new natures? Easy answer. Mystics are mystical because it is the mystics, the mysteries of the Lord. New age is sourcing from the world for some of the same stuff, but counterfeit. That's yeah, that's my short answer. My my quick answer is possibly the same kinds of people that are being labeled heretics in some way, shape, or form, but from different eras. So mystical practices from hundreds of years ago, I think may look similar to what some people might call New Age practices in the year 2019. And so I think it's a, they're two different words that are used by two different eras to try and describe those who are more spiritual spirit led uh, i don't even know the word but those who are really 
living off and living from experience rather than holding to what has been traditional believing in the eyes of mass religion, right? I mean, does that make sense? I feel like it's really deep, but... It does, but I don't know that it's necessarily accurate just because the word mystics and mysticism has come back into today. So, and so, but I do think you're right about them being very similar. So, for instance, I call myself a mystic. That's true. But I'm very particular. I call myself a Christian mystic um, because mysticism is outside of any religion. It's really, if you're a mystic, that means that you are seeking experiential relationship with the spirit realm. And so um, it could be, if you're a new ager, you could be a mystic and be a new into new age and maybe not even experience what you would consider a God, but maybe even just, you know, transcendental, transcendental meditation. Am I saying that right? Sure. Anyway. Transcendental. Did I not say that right? Yes. Well, anyway, you know, all of these things, you can be doing that and not even necessarily seeking a certain God. You might mm. engage different spirits or something. Um, I personally don't want anything to do with the New Age movement because mm-hmm. a lot of it, I believe, is counterfeit, like what you said. And it's it's uh, a likeness to God, but leaving out what I believe to be the main point, which is Yeshua as the way, the truth, and the life. And so mm-hmm. for okay. me, nothing can happen without him. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe in experiential relationship with the Lord. It just has to be with him. Right. As what most people call Jesus, right? Sure. Like you said. And so that, I think, is the most important distinction for me as a Christian mystic. I have always loved reading about the mystics of old. You mm-hmm. know, all of, you know, just Catherine of Siena and, and Teresa of Avia and all of these different people who... Augustine, I mean, just all of these people who really were about experiential relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. Right. Most of them were Catholic, you know, back then. Yeah. Um, but that was something that always caught my attention because I resonated with this experiential relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Most most of them were made fun of. I mean, it's normal for all mystics to be made fun of right? Um, in all of humanity. It's True. been like that. So. Yeah. So I answered from a place of only having ever heard the term mystic within a Christian context and only having heard of New Agers within the Christian context. So like New Age Christianity. Is that a thing? I've Be- never heard of it. That's what I hear. New- I'm just, I'm asking. Yeah. I don't know. New Age would be considered a religion outside of Christianity. If oh. someone says they're a new age Christian, it's probably a mixture of religions, just like there are people who say they're a Christian Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a mixture uh, of religions. And so interesting. the new age movement, um, I mean, it's been happening for a while. It's funny. It's called new age because it's really like, when did that even start in the nineties or eighties or something? Um, a long time ago, and it's still a thing that they call New Age. And it's really about a spiritual experience, a lot of spirit guides, and use of a lot of the things um, I think that are meant for God and, and His way. 
but have been skewed by the enemy because of that lack of having Yeshua and not having the Holy Spirit's guidance and saying, hey, this is good, this isn't. Mm -hmm. And so there are some things that, you know, I don't know, I've started to learn, like when I talk about frequencies and things like this, that is simply a scientific term about how things work in physics. You know, everything has a frequency, but unfortunately the New Age movement has taken all the frequency stuff and used it in a way that they talk about this for different ways of healing, which again is it's actually right, right on, yeah. but because they're not going through Yeshua, it can be actually used by the enemy to cause a lot of illness and things like that. A lot of people wear crystals because of their healing power and Mm -hmm. stuff. Well, they don't understand that they're actually pulling in a lot of energy that can be dangerous to their body Mm -hmm. because they don't know what they're doing. And so there are certain things that the reality of it is it works in science, but you have to have the revelation from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, yeah, that's the difference. (laughs) <laughs> okay dope. yeah i'll have to do more research on it. i've just now started reading some some of the mystic stuff and i'll have to look into the new age deal because i don't know that much but all i know is that again in each era the word heresy is thrown around true that and so anywhere people are old calling news, people heretics right? it piques my interest i used to get really offended now i'm just like eh, mm-hmm. go do your own thing right yeah mm. well that's all, folks. <laughs> Remember, patreon.com slash kingdom builders. That is the new place to find us. P A T R E O N dot com slash kingdom builders. Yes. Sign up, do the thing. Share the podcast. Let people know what we're doing. Heck yeah. Shoot us some questions. Yeah, it's fun. And if you do get on. Um, patreon and become a patron then you get an invitation to be on this podcast with us so come on it's true we, we love to, to do that and we have fun we'll thrive okay all, all right. right all right bye bye guys nature